Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. By the way, when you get saved, you can sing a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. <clears throat> his righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered <clears throat> his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Father, use me. I've asked you for months now. Make me a blessing to these people. They've been a blessing to me, but make me a blessing to them. My heartfelt prayer this morning is that you would save the lost and that the saved people would grow in the grace and knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. May something be said that uh, someone might be going through the same sins, the same problem that I went through, that you'd speak to hearts, decisions would be made today that would be drawn ever closer to you. And whatever you choose to do, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can tell by my accent, I'm from L.A. <clears throat> Lower Alabama. <laughs> I was born and raised just south of Dothan, Alabama, on the Florida state line. Uh, back in the 40s, when I, and hush, I know my social security number is three, but that's none of your business. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Back in those days, most of the roads were dirt roads out on the farms. And it's that way today on the Indian Reservation. But uh, uh, the, the, the peanut farm was on across the road in Alabama, but the house was on the other side of the road in the state of Florida. So I was actually born in Florida at home. And I, 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 I'm glad you sat down. I've got to tell you something you're not going to believe. In those days, there were no computers or cell phones. I don't know how we made it. I just don't understand. <clears throat> but I was born at home, and when I was a little boy, my mom left me, and uh, she wanted to go live her own life and what she called have fun, so she didn't want the kids. My dad, who got drunk every weekend of the world, raised a hardworking man. I mean hardworking man, but every weekend he was drunk. We, had, we were not allowed to go to any kind of a church. <clears throat> I do not know if some preacher had taken my mom aside. And I, I don't know what happened, but my dad had hated churches and he hated preachers. So I had never seen the inside of a church such as this. I had never seen a Bible until I was 22 years old. And I was born and raised in Bible Belt of the South. If you've ever been down south, you ride out through the Piney Woods. There's a church every mile or so. If, if you go in even a small town, there's, every other corner, there's a church. But you're not one person ever said, hey, man, I'd like you to come to my Sunday school class. Not one time in 22 years. No one said, hey, man, I, I wish you'd come ride my bus. I never heard that. No one ever said, man, I, I wish you'd come to our church. Never heard that. No one ever said, man, I wish you'd We'd go to heaven with us one day. Can we show you how? I never heard that. I was in and out of trouble a lot. <clears throat> when I uh, was an older teenager, probably 18 years old, I'd done so many bad things that uh, I stood before a judge. And he said, you can go. This was 1967. You know what was going on in the 60s. And he said, you can go out there to the state prison or you go in the Marine Corps. 
And I begin to think. I begin to think, you know what? Out at that prison, they're going to be doing things to me that they shouldn't be doing. And I'm not going to have a knife or a gun. If I go in the Marine Corps, they're going to send me to Vietnam. And they're going to try to do things to me they shouldn't be doing. But at least I'll have a gun and a knife. Amen. And as I was thinking those things, he thought I was, this judge thought I was ignoring him. And he pounded the podium and said, I demand an answer. And I said, from the halls of Montezuma. <laughs> and, and I went into the USMC, Uncle Sam's misguided children. And uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I went through all my training in, in different places. Uh, uh, for instance, I was at Paris Island, South Carolina, uh, Camp Butler, right outside of Fort uh, Camp Lejeune. I wound up uh, 29 Palms, California, Camp Pendleton, California. <clears throat> many different places. And uh, it came to time to go to Vietnam. On my 15th day of being in Vietnam, on my 15th day being in Vietnam, a mortar round went off right beside my head on a Sunday afternoon, and I didn't come to to Sunday morning a week later with a severe concussion and two shrapnel holes in my left leg. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you uh, by the way, they say that the Marines never retreat. That may be true, but we fight to the rear like the devil. I'm telling you, it's, it's, sometimes it's time to get out of, out of the harm's way. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and it went on, and, and I was wounded ten different times. I don't have time to tell you all of that story, but the one that everybody came to hear. <clears throat> in the Marine Corps recon, you are in places you never were. And you do things you never did. You should know by that what my life was like. I had been told to go into a certain place and take some prisoners. To bring them back. And as soon as I got back into Vietnam, I was to make radio contact. When I came through, the, uh, how many of you guys were in Vietnam? That light's got me blinded. By the way, thank you for your service. I mean that. I'm not just saying it. Thank you for your service. You are a hero, and I don't care what other people say. Amen. I was a lost man. The next few minutes, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. When I first got saved, my pastor asked me to get my testimony. And someone accused me of embellishing sin. And I don't want to, ever want to do that. I quit giving my testimony for a while. And my pastor came to me and said, there's somebody out there that's a dopehead and a drunk just like you were that need Jesus. There's somebody out there meaner than a junkyard dog that needs Jesus. Somebody out there mistreating his wife that needs Jesus. And, I, and he showed me a verse where the apostle, you got to remember, I was a babe in Christ. He showed me a verse that said, Paul said this, for he was the chief of sinners. And yet he gave his testimony right there in the Bible. Now, he wasn't embellishing sin. He was just telling the truth. So my pastor talked me into traveling this country and give this story. And I have literally seen hundreds and hundreds of people saved that may not have never come to Christ if they didn't realize somebody else has gone through what they're going through. 
So I want you to know today, Jesus Christ can save anybody. I sat on that village chief's grave out of disrespect. The only people they bury in Vietnam, out in the village type places, it's different today, don't you dare get me wrong. Somebody told me that they saw something about Vietnam, had a store, a coffee shop or something uh, where, where uh, Brother Vogel and I were, and I don't, I, to me that don't resonate in my mind. But uh, they believe if you die a hero, you'll come back a village chief. But if you die as a coward, you'll come back as a water buffalo or a snake. And we laugh at that, don't we? But they believe it so much they live it. We say we believe in Jesus, but are we living it? So I sat there in that village chief's grave, and the reason I know what time it was, I was supposed to make a radio report. It was 719, dusty dark. And as I was, uh, I took some C, uh, CO2, uh, 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 explosives. I was heating a can of cigarettes, talking on the radio, and then giving my report that I was supposed to give in. We had taken some prisoners, and I, one of our airplanes had dropped the plane, out of the plane, a, a bomb, so, and it made such a huge hole in the ground. I gave, told my fellows to take five, and I would watch them while I was sitting on that grave. I could see them. And the enemy decided to kill those people to, their own people, to keep them from talking to us. And mortars and rockets like you've never seen started raining in. I'm talking about raining in horribly. And a hunk of that metal caught me on my left arm and blew the bone, bone and everything out of my arm. Where the bone used to be now is metal and screws. And that's why this side's only half the size of this and it's half paralyzed. <clears throat> they could not, because of all the rockets coming in, they could not land a chopper and motivate me out. So during the night, supposedly I bled to death. My arm was so messed up, it was behind me, but yet these fingers was in my face, and I couldn't move them. The corpsman came up, pulled my arm back around, and he tried all night long to stop the bleeding, and he just could not stop the bleeding. At 1.30 the next day, they finally had straightened the area long enough to back them up so they could land a, a medevac chopper. I showed you that verse just now. I'm going to show it to you one more time there in Psalm 98. The verse, verse 1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, and watch this carefully. For he, God himself, for he hath done what? Marvelous things. This chopper is full of dead bodies. I wound up on the top. Now listen to me carefully. I'm telling you how important. You better not wait till tomorrow to get saved. You better get saved today. If I had been on the bottom instead of on the top, they never would have found me alive and I'd be in hell right now instead of standing here in front of you. True statement. They got up into the air <coughs> And if you, if you know you know this, the higher you go, the cooler it gets. On each side of this helicopter, there's a gunner. There's two pilots up front and a gunner here and a gunner here. And the gunner, according to the record, I, I have no recollection of this at all. I can't remember any of this happening. And the gunner said, sir, 
I think I've got a live one back here. And the colonel said, son, you're new. You're just getting into land. Your job is death duty. It's just like a chicken has his head cut off and he starts bouncing around. He's dead, but he's still moving. He said, human bodies will contract and extract. They will move. Sometimes they'll even set up. He said, ooh. The record says 10, 15 minutes goes by. And he called back, sir, I'm pretty sure that, that, that I've got some movement in this bag. I'm pretty sure. He said, son, I've already told you. But open the bag and see. He went, mm-hmm, no, ain't going to happen. Ten more minutes goes by. And he says, son, I, he says, sir, I'm sure the colonel to prove his point to this rookie, this young guy. He came back and unzipped my body bag. When he did, it filled full of that cold air. And all of a sudden, I, could, I couldn't see, but I, I remember opening my eyes, and it was, it was so blurry, it made me nauseous. It almost made me want to throw up. I just, I just felt horrible. They realized there was a live one. And they turned and took me to the nearest mass unit that you could go to. They climbed on top of those dead bodies, put blood in this arm as fast as they could. It was coming out over here. I remember that the, 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 the corpsman said, watch this, I got something for you. And he shook about an eight-foot-long, inch-wide piece of shrapnel, like pulling a tooth. He shook it and pulled it out of there. He said, hey, bud, got you a souvenir. Now, many of you people that were in the Marine Corps, Marine Corps' pants have six pockets, and he slipped it into one of those pockets. I passed out again. <clears throat> I woke up, and they could not help me in any way. Uh, I'll pick on you because you've got a good wife. I wish, I, I wish, no, I don't want you to do nothing but sit there and behave yourself. Who do you think you are? Now watch this carefully. My arm had jungle rot so bad that it was blacker than that Bible cover. Gangrene, jungle rot, I had more bad things going on than you would ever dream. <clears throat> they couldn't do anything. So they medevaced me to Yokohama, Japan, to an army hospital. I'm sitting there for three months. And an MP walks in carrying a white landline phone. I know you young people don't know what that is, and that's fine. That's, that's okay. And they pointed to my bed, and they came over and set that phone down and said, you've got to call your family. They've been waiting three months for a body to have a funeral. Do you realize that when you, when you die in war, they take their, your dog tags are a long string with a dog tag on it, and then a smaller chain with, with another dog tag on it? The small one they put on the zipper of the body bag to identify the body. The long one they send to your family as a momentum. Whoopee! I said, well, who told them I was dead? I didn't know this story at the time. Three months they've been waiting for me to be buried? Waiting for the body? Who told me? He said, well, they sent a colonel and a sergeant over to your, your dad's home where your wife is. And they told him. And I said, well, have that same people go back and tell them the story. Because I'm not going to pick the phone up and go, surprise! 
And so they did. And today you could do it in just a few minutes, but back in those days it took three days. Ladies, can you imagine? Mamas, can you imagine your son? Ladies, your husband? Back in those days they'd come to your door with a Western Union telegram. Every time they would come there, you know that they're going to bring you news that your son or your husband is dead. My wife went through that multiple times. But they came back and told him, and about three days later, I got to talk to my wife, and I got to talk to my dad. And they told me <clears throat> that uh, they was going to send me back to the States. They, they didn't say the States. Pre-court talk, if you're in the war, we're going to send you back to the world. You Air Force guys need a lot of prayer because there's no such thing as the Air Force. It's the chair force. And I get to pick on you. And I like it. I was picking on an Air Force guy one day and said, ah, you're not an Air Force, you're a chair force. And he said, uh-huh. But at least we didn't have to walk everywhere we went. So this C-130, this flying tin cans, it's a, usually it would drive Jeeps or stuff in it. It's just a big old airplane with no windows. It's a prop plane, but it's full of stretchers. I did not come home to a hero's parade. I didn't come when Johnny comes marching home. I came home in a stretcher. And when this airplane landed, it's my first time in two years being back in America. I turned 20 and 21 in Vietnam. When this airplane landed, outside was a white school bus, white with a big red cross on it, no seats in it at all, just stretcher hangers. They took me out of that down the ramp and hooked me up in that bus to take me over to the hospital. My welcome back to America, my hero's welcome, sir, was they took a six-inch rock, broke the glass in my face, and burnt the American flag. That was my hero's welcome. You would walk an airport and men from a distance cowards would yell I cuss you women would literally spit on you and the kids were even taught to come by and kick you that was your hero's welcome for fighting in Vietnam that's why so many of them live out in the woods and don't you leave them alone they need Jesus is what they need <clears throat> and for the little bit of time I got left I want you to listen to me on purpose I came home very very bitter Never had seen a Bible, never seen the inside of a church. At this time, I married and got a little boy, Don Jr. <clears throat> Thursday night, two men and two women come to our home. They asked me a question I never heard before. It made me angry. Do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? And I said, you guys are the dumbest, stupidest people I've ever lived, heard of. I've been over there fighting communism. If God let anybody go to heaven, he's going to let me go. Boy, they flipped that Bible up and showed me, it's, you know, it's not of works which we've done. I got mad, cussed them out, ran them off. Next Thursday night, they came back again. I pushed the guy back in his car. I said, listen, I told you don't never come back again. And he didn't until next Thursday. <laughs> Thir listen to me carefully. Eight Thursday nights in a row. Are you listening to me? Eight Thursday nights, those same two women, those same two men came to our home telling us about Jesus. I didn't understand. Are you folks stupid or what? I'm thinking about killing you now. Watch this carefully. They were praying 
that I couldn't eat or sleep till I got saved. And God was answering their prayer. I could not eat. I could not sleep. All I could think about was going to hell, and I didn't want to go to hell. I knew I deserved to go. August 24, 1970 was a Thursday night. I beat them to the punch. One of the men was in a, it had cerebral palsy, and he was in a wheelchair. So, and he lived out on Santa Fe Lake there in Florida. So I said, I'm not going to go to the school today. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to drive out there. I drove to his house, and every time I would ask, and by the way, I did not go out there to get saved. I literally felt, I know today it's Holy Spirit conviction. I did not know what it was then. I felt like my left lung and my right lung was fighting each other. I really did. I felt that way. I went to get some relief from that. And every time I would ask the question, he would quote a Bible verse. I could say it's daylight outside. He had a quote a Bible verse. I got so angry, I cussed him out and jumped my car and left. I did not get out of seeing distance of that soul winner's house. Not even, I could still see. And I pulled my car off the side of the road. They called it down in Florida the Santa Fe Lake Road. I called it the Damascus Road. And I pulled my car off the side of the road. And I said, Lord, by the way, I told them I wouldn't believe nothing that wasn't in the Bible. And they gave it me an old gray and pink gospel tract said God's simple plan of salvation and had marked the page number in the Bible on that and so I looked them all I sat there with that Bible they gave me looked at everyone and sure enough everything that that gospel tract said was in the Bible by the way be careful what kind of gospel tract you pass out make sure they're scriptural <clears throat> and I sat beside that road and I said Lord I know I'm going to hell it's not that I think so or might I know I'm going to hell but God I don't want to go they say that you could save anybody. And God, I, I don't know. But would you save somebody like me? And I prayed and I said, Lord, just save me. And nothing happened. You got to remember, I've never been in a church. Your, your third graders in this church knows more than I knew at 22. Because I'd never seen a Bible. I'd never, I'd, I'd never heard of John 3.16. I couldn't find it in the Bible, let alone even know it was real. And, and I asked the Lord to save me, and nothing happened. And I said, God, this is not a foxhole promise. This is not a foxhole pr uh, 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 prayer. When you're in a foxhole, you pray when the bullets are hitting you. And think you pray, oh, God, if you'll let me live, I, I, I won't cuss anymore. And, and you don't until the, the, the firefight's over. Then you take God's name in vain tell dirty jokes again. And I said, God, this is not one of those prayers. I am begging you to save my soul. Keep me out of hell. Nothing happened. And then I thought, you idiot. Because I had a bottle of whiskey up under my seat. And I took it out, opened the window, and literally broke it on the asphalt. I was smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. I took my cigarettes. I didn't just throw them out for somebody to find them. I, and you military the guys know what I'm talking about. I feel stripped every one of them. Threw them away. I took my drugs, destroyed them. And I said, Lord, I, I mean business. I didn't know you had to make deals with God. I, I, if I, I wish I'd have known that as soon as you trust God, he's such a gracious God, he'll save you. Amen. But nothing was happening, and I had remembered somebody said that if you get it, <clears throat> you're speaking a different language. I begin to think, you know, is it going to be Vietnamese? I watched a war movie last night. Is it going to be Japanese or German? And I waited to, I didn't even speak in English. 
Nothing happened. I heard somebody say, it's, it's, you know, when you get saved, you got all this wickedness in you, and, and, and you'll just throw it all up. I let the window down. This, I gagged myself so bad, knocked the finger. I went all the way down to the elbow, but I, I didn't even burp. Nothing happened. Amen. Someone said, if you really mean it, you'll cry. I turned that mirror to my face. I poked my fingers down in my eyes till they bled. I hadn't shed a tear yet. And I thought, oh, man, I'm going to hell. Ain't nothing I can do about it. But I guess I deserved it. I got in my car and started to drive away. I went into town. Picked my wife up at work. And I said, listen, I asked, I asked the Lord to save me today. And she said, well, that's good for you, not for me. Because she, she knew I needed it, but she didn't think she did. By the way, ye must be born again. Amen. And, and, and it, it began to roll along that way. And I'm saying this to say this to you because I'm going to stop. i got a lot else I can say, but listen to me. God saved me to prove to the rest of the world that he could save anybody. God used me. To prove he can use anybody. You're sitting here this morning. Listen to me carefully. You might be the most religious person in the world. But if you're not saved, you're still going to hell. You could be a member of every church in Indiana and still go to hell. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man. By the way, ladies, that means no mankind, no human. Can make it to my father without me. Jesus is the only way. But watch, it, watch what he said there. He said, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, not might be, not could be, but shall be saved. Whew, what a promise. Someone like me could get saved. And if you're here today, let's be carefully. God will save you. Oh, you don't know my life. I've been divorced. Broke my heart so bad, I started drinking. That didn't satisfy me enough, so then I started highballing, using drugs and liquor at the same time. Listen me carefully. You cannot tell me and prove me of a sin that you can commit that God cannot save you from other than the sin of unbelief. Yep. So if you're here today, you never believed, won't you believe in Christ? Yep. I'll, I'll, I, listen to me, I'll be around all afternoon tonight at church. Come up and talk to me if you want to, but listen. I would not go to hell for anybody. But I don't have to. I'm going to make a statement. You're going to kick me out of here. You ready? You can pay for your own sins by burning in hell. Or you can trust Christ. Let him pay for your sins and go to heaven. But watch this carefully. This preacher, this church, none of us can save you. But glory to God and the highest Jesus can. We are just his servants trying to tell you about him. My time is over, but listen to me carefully. Jesus has plenty of time. He'll save you if you'll let him.